All right. Well, while they're taking their seat, I will let you know what's going on for the remainder of the morning. Uh, as you know, last week, uh, our church sent six people from uh, here to Lee, Massachusetts on a mission trip. Uh, we left Windsor about 4.30 in the morning on Saturday, last Saturday, and we got back Friday night about 8 o'clock to Windsor. It was probably about a 10 and a half hour drive if you drive straight through, but uh, I've learned a lot about traveling with senior adults, and uh, you make a few more stops than you do with uh, young folks, and so uh, that was meant to be a joke. Come on now. Uh, so what I did as a servant was I drank plenty of soda and water on the way up so that that made us naturally stop more as the driver. I figured if, uh, if I just drank a lot, I'd stop and everybody would be happy. Anyways, so that was the plan. We went up to Lee, Massachusetts. The plan originally was to uh, split our work group up. Now, just so you know, we sent six. That six made a team of 20 people total from our association who went with us to Lee, Massachusetts. The plan was originally to split our group of 20 into two groups. One group was going to do a kid's camp, a kid's day camp all week, and then the other group was going to help with construction. The church that we went to serve up there in Lee, Massachusetts, is a Southern Baptist church. There's only two Southern Baptist churches in a 60-mile radius, Okay. So you could travel 60 miles and not get to another Southern Baptist church. You can't travel six blocks in Bertie County uh, without stumbling on another Southern Baptist church. And so uh, the reason that we get caught up in Southern Baptist churches and, and in different denominations is that a lot of denominations in the Northeast area are very liberal-minded churches. There's rainbows on the outside of churches uh, symbolizing their acceptance of the homosexual agenda. And so there's a, there's a big need for conservative churches in the Northeast. It's just a very liberal-minded area. And so uh, we're helping them to build this church building so that their church doesn't have to rent a playhouse each month so that they can have a good place for them to meet. And so what I want to do for the remainder of our time is I want to get uh, the people that went on the trip to come forward. Uh, if, if Nancy and Jesse will come on up, and then Elijah, Simeon, and Titus, you guys come here. I'm going to give each of them an opportunity to share something from the trip, and then I'm going to wrap us all up at the end. I'm going to let... I don't think that all the boys want to say something, but I'm going to give them a chance. Then I'm going to turn them loose to, to, uh, to go have a seat again. And so... Simeon, you got anything you want to share? Nope. Was it a good time? Are you glad that you went? All right, you can go sit down. Titus, do you have anything that you want to share? Not really. Was it a good time? Are you glad that you went? Come here. I'm going to move this microphone down, Ron, if you don't. If you'll mute it for me. I jumped the gun a little bit. All right, come here, little bud. Tell them what your favorite part of the whole trip was. All right, so they say that uh, fear of dying in a fire and public speaking are two of people's biggest fears, and so I think the public speaking one got him. You can go have a seat. Anything you want to share? Not really. I think he does. Come on. This is a little dad coercion. Don't touch that microphone yet. Tell them what you did on the mission trip. I'll interview you. So what did you do on the mission trip? Um, I was hoping that we could do uh, like a, the daycare like that. Uh-huh. And, but really I got to do some yard work, which I kind of like. Got to do a bunch of yard work? Was there a lot of yard work to do? Yes, sir. Was there? What was your favorite part of the whole thing? Um, 
probably the girl getting saved. Probably the girl getting saved? Or do you want to tell them about it a little bit? Uh, not really. Not really? Okay, you can go have a seat. <laughs> will, you, will you mute it again for me, Ron? I'm going to move it up. All right. Come on, Nancy. Nancy doesn't have stage fright. We'll let her go no. next. Um, first, I want to take you all back to the first time Bobby announced that we were going on this mission trip to some of you. Like a lot of you probably sitting there, you thought, uh, I can't afford to go. I'll, he'll send someone else. I'm sure someone else in this church will volunteer to go. And each Sunday he would ask again. And then it was past the time for anyone to sign up to go. And I still had not said I wanted to go. Then I heard him say that Sunday that no one else from our church had volunteered to go. And it just struck my heart really hard. And I thought, I was surely out of all the members in this church, there isn't someone else who wanted to go. And I just, I couldn't believe that. So I told Bobby I might be interested still in going. And he had said that if there was someone who still wanted to go, he'd sneak us on the bus. So I went home and I thought about it. And I sat in my favorite place when I seek the Lord is in my swing in my garden. And I took my Bible and I had it closed. And I said, Lord, if you really want me to go, let this book fall open to the word that you would have me hear. And so I just closed my eyes and let the book fall open. And it fell right where I already had begun to read was in James. James 1, 22. Brethren, do not just be hearers of the word, but doers. And that really kind of got me. And I thought, well, maybe the book just fell open because I had it marked there anyway. Well, I had to go to the grocery store that afternoon, so... I got in the car and started up, and I turned on to K-Love. I don't know if any of you listen to K-Love, but guess what song came on the radio? Do something. And I said, okay, you win, Lord. And I texted Bobby and said, I'm going. So when I got there, I was expecting to help with children, which I do here at church. But instead, they didn't have all the plumbing fixed, so they thought, that they could accommodate all the children that could be expected to come because they do have a large children's group just in their church alone, but they were inviting the whole community to come. So we kind of split up teams. Jesse got put somewhere, and Bobby, as young as he is, he got to do all the scaffolding work. And they sent me to help with Miss Suzanne in the landscaping Well, I liked doing digging in my own garden, so this was going to be kind of fun, digging in somebody else's garden. And I got to know Suzanne and where she was coming from and how she had got involved with this church. And she was just a fairly new member, as as new as the church is. And she said, I can't tell you. And she started to cry. And I said, what? She said, I can't tell you how much I am so pleased. She said, everything has been geared toward getting the place ready for worship, and I can understand that that's a first priority, but I had been praying that someone would come and help me with the landscaping, and you are an answer to my prayers. I'd never been an answer to somebody else's prayers. I'd always thought others were answers to my prayer, so it felt funny to be on the other side of the desk, so to speak. 
And so I really enjoyed working with her. And before it was through, we got to know each other. We've exchanged addresses and phone numbers. And I could see the vision she has. This is like 30 acres that they have there. So they are really blessed with plenty of ground. And they even have the mansion, they called it, was up on a hill. And if you're coming up, you see these trees that have overgrown this big, huge rock area, and she wants that to be their prayer garden where they will have a cross that stands there and then flowers that flow down below it. And I think her vision, I'd love to go back and see what it's going to look like when it's all finished. And I'm so glad that I went, and I hope none of you don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers and sign up for the next one. Well, I'll start at the very beginning since Nancy did also. Um, I will say when Bobby came and said we're going to go on this trip, I looked at our calendar and said, okay, and I'll deal with it when it gets here. And so our calendar was full. I couldn't imagine packing for five to go for a week. Um, and so my heart was not prepared for this trip, but I was in in agreeance that we should go, that the Lord was calling us to go and so and to take our children with us also. And they were and their excitement helped me get ready to go and prepared my heart um, as our children were excited to go, not knowing what we were gonna do when we got there, but the Lord had exactly what he had planned for us already ordained before we even got there. And so um, we had a great group of people, wonderful group of men and women who wanted to serve the Lord. We had great discussions on theology. We had great laughs along the way. Um, if you've ever been on a mission trip, you know there's memories that you'll make that will last forever, that you'll laugh, look back and smile about. And so that is the blessing that we received from this trip. Um, while we were there, uh, the very first day we were there, we worshiped with them, and what a time of worship. It was um, just a unity in the spirit among people we didn't even know. And so if you've never experienced that, seek that, because you can just see the working of the Lord through the spirit and working and worshiping together. So we did get to do that. The boys got to ring the bell for church for it to start, which they thought was really neat. Um, and then after that, we had a luncheon on the grounds where the building was so we could see what we would be doing that week. Um, and as we ate, we walked around and looked at the mansion and the building they were preparing to worship. And we looked at the, the house that would be the parsonage. And that's where we would spend our time eating and fellowshipping with our group throughout the week. And as we finished up our lunch with their church, everybody had left. The pastor was taking his wife back to her car where the, the church is where they rent. And while he was dropping her off, there was two ladies there. And she said, I had come, I thought I would, someone would be at the church. And she said, I came because my mama tells me I need to seek the Lord in this in my life. And so he said, well, you're two ladies, you need to speak with some ladies. And as our group is sitting around the table, their, their church had left. As our group was sitting around the table, worshiping God still as we... we Worked out our salvation with fear and trembling as we were talking about theology, theological stuff and just encouraging one another still throughout the day. We were just sitting around the table and some people would just walk by and go, what are they doing? But we were enjoying one another as we talked about things of the Bible. And as we're sitting there, he pulls up with this young woman. Now I say young, but she was only four years younger than me and I thought she was a lot younger. Um, anyways, and so she comes and she sits at our table where we had already been preparing our hearts to, and talking about the things of the scriptures. And she talks about the exact thing that Lord has walked me through this, this summer. And she talks about how she thinks she knows the Lord, but he's not dealing with her in this situation correctly. And the very thing that I prayed that, that 
would be used as the Lord was showing me things throughout the summer, she was asking for. And so how can that be with our own hands that we could just be sitting around the table and this woman comes and she's seeking the very thing that the Lord has shown in my heart. And so here we are nine hours away and this woman we don't even know, she's not even from that community, she was from Connecticut, she was there on vacation. And so she ends up at the table with four other godly, godly women. Um, you might have met them. Um, they were here. Some of them were here for the Baptist men working. Um, and some of them, Miss Barbara, Miss Lydia, Miss Jewel, all of them were sitting at the table for this woman to come and sit with us. And in that moment, I shared with her my heart and my experiences with the Lord. And she realized that she had never really accepted the Lord, that she had grown up in the church, and that she never really trusted the Lord in her life. Here she is, 31 years old. And she wants the Lord to work in her life in a problem that she has, and she doesn't see him working. And she wants to know why. Because she had done it all her life, the outward appearance. And now she really needed to know the Lord was for her and fighting for her, and she didn't see him. And she didn't even know how to call upon his name. And so we sat there and we talked about the things of the scripture. And we talked about all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so there at that moment, beloved, she accepted Christ. And so us, a group nine hours away, sitting at a table just talking about the things of the Lord, led a woman from Connecticut to the Lord, who had not known one of us until she sat down at that table. And so in that moment, we knew the Lord had ordained our steps, and we found encouragement in that, and we got throughout the week. There was no dissension. There was no grumbling. There was no complaining. We all worked joyfully to the Lord. And the crew and the leaders of the church were encouraged from us being there, and we were encouraged from being there. So pray for, for this woman. Pray for her as she goes back to her life and that she will be a renewed, changed woman who knows the Lord because those who love the Lord went and shared the gospel with her. All right, well, I appreciate you guys that have shared already. Um, if you've got your Bible, I'll invite you to turn to the book of Psalm chapter 42. We're going to get to there in just a minute, but uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about, about the trip. Uh, the whole rest of this time is going to be about the trip. Uh, we're going to work a few uh, scriptures in that the Lord used during the week. Uh, but the man who was the pastor of the church, his name was Jim. And so Pastor Jim uh, ultimately is going to have a kid's camp, like we said, for us to help with. And he's got this whole church building that needs to be finished. Right now, the church building is at a place where there's uh, there's cinder block walls on the two sides and then the uh the whole thing is covered in wood now it needs to be sided a vinyl siding needs to be put on it and a little bit of the roof needs to be done in order for the whole church building to be dry where they can heat it uh up in the northeast uh, there are a lot of unions and so you can't do any electrical work you can't do any plumbing work yourself you have to contract all of that out all that has to be done by licensed individuals in that particular state and so they've got a little bit more work to do before they call in the, the big guns to do some other important work. Uh, but anyway, so the plan was originally to do two different uh, events. And so my plan over 90 days ago was to go and help with the kids. Generally speaking, when there's any work to be done, I'm on one of the work teams hanging drywall, doing electrical work, doing something construction related. Uh, but my plan for the last three months leading up to this was to take my family and to serve as a family doing the Lord's work. And so I said, well, my family can be best used working with kids. My kids naturally draw a crowd anyways. Uh, whenever we start throwing balls at my kids, other kids just jump right in. You can tell I like to throw things at kids, can't you? It's a gift. 
Uh, it's a gift. That's why, generally speaking, I, I hurt kids on accident. Uh, it just happens. Nothing, no hospital trips, but just seems to happen. Anyways, and so the plan was for my family to serve with the kids so that we could all be together. And uh, it, when, the, when we got there, we realized that the whole kids thing had fallen apart. And we ended up being a huge blessing to the group by doing construction. They told us when we left that there had been four other church groups that had come and helped through the tenure of this project and that our group did more work than any of those groups. And so we really brought a group that, that put out a lot of work. Uh, and we ended up, like we said, being a big blessing to them. God using us in ways that we had no intentions of being used, right? And so what I want you to see is that uh, I had plans for this trip to do a certain thing. God used us in a different area to do more than we could have imagined. Nancy had plans going into this trip, and God used Nancy in a way that she didn't plan for. And so what I want you to see is that uh, we're all supposed to be clay in the Father's hands, right? Give me a little head nod. It's our job to be obedient to what he says. It's our job to wake up day after day and just say, Lord, wherever you send me, I'll go. Whatever you say to do, I'll do. And however long you tell me to stay there, I'll stay there. And so that's our job. And I just want you to see that the Lord used each person that went on the trip in a great way, but no one got used in the way that they thought they were going to be used going into the trip. So I just think that is fascinating how God works everything out. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to switch things around a little bit. Keep your finger over there in Psalm chapter 42 and go over to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, in, in my own personal quiet time, I've been working through the book of Hebrews. I'm almost all the way through, but there's a section in chapter 10 that's really slowed me down. And so I haven't been reading the book of Hebrews for any reason except for uh, personal enjoyment, personal time spending with the Lord. And I've just been going at whatever pace I wanted to go at, right? It's my quiet time, so lay off. Uh, I do it however I want to do it, right? Give me a little head nod. You guys just loosen up a little bit. All right. Here we go. And so I've just been working through the book of uh, Hebrews, just trying to understand a few things. I'll, I'll read something in Hebrews. I'll flip to a, a section that has something to do with it, uh, just to kind of see what the author of Hebrews is doing. And I got to a passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. And if you remember anything from when I first started preaching here, we walked through the whole Old Testament. And so you know that I've got a love of the Old Testament. I've got a, a real... I'm very intrigued at how the Old Testament sacrifices and offerings work and how all of that points forward to Christ, right? So all of this is interesting to me. And so I'm reading in Hebrews chapter 10, and it says this, For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near. And so basically what the author here is saying is that, listen, all of the things that are done under the Old Testament law, all of the killings of rams and cows and goats and all of those things, none of those things are the real thing, right? All of those things that are done under the Old Testament Levitical law are done pointing you forward to something that's going to take place during the time of Christ. And so all of that is a picture of the thing that's to come. And then he says, otherwise, they would not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers, 
having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And so you read in the book of Hebrews that none of the things that were commanded by God to do, the killing of the Passover lamb and those things, none of those things actually forgave anyone of any sin. You following me? And so no one has ever killed a lamb, a bull, a goat, anything like that, the way that God said, and been forgiven of their sins. Okay, you do those things because God commanded you to do those things. And so. (laughs) Sorry. Hey, why don't you guys go sit with your parents? Your parents will relax a lot more. You're not in any trouble whatsoever. But if you go sit with your parents, they will love you all the more when you get home. Okay, I promise. Go, go quick, go, go quick. All right, run. All right, good deal. No worries. I'm telling you, when I was a kid, I got more spankings as a result of what I did at church than you could ever imagine. So I wanted to save. That was that was my gift to those three kids to to cruise them along back to their parents so that their parents could uh, could relax and have them sitting with them. Listen, gang, if we don't have kids talking in church right now, we won't have a church in 60 years. Most of you here don't have 60 years left. That's a really sad reality. I might not have 60 years left, but those kids, they do. And if, if we don't make church something that they enjoy and they can learn from, they'll be gone. And you won't be able to find them in church in 10 years when they finish up high school. And so if you've ever been disrupted by a kid uh, in this building since I've been here, just know that it hasn't bothered me in the slightest. If you bring your kid and the kid starts to cry, doesn't bother me at all. If your kid... Uh, gets a little chatty, gets a little movement in him. God made your kids to be high energy until a certain age, right? When he gets 30, his metabolism will catch up to him and he'll slow down. Don't worry. Uh, they won't be, they won't be movie forever. And so, uh, it's our job to love those kids and to, to take them gently where they need to be and to grow them. And so parents don't ever be embarrassed, uh, because your kid moved in church or made a noise. As long as you're taking care of it, you are in great shape. Capiche? All right, here we go. So back to, (laughs) back to, back to where we were. And so nobody's ever killed any sort of animal in the Old Testament and been forgiven of any sin, right? The reason that you do all of that is a picture of Christ who is to come. And so then you read the next part. And in verse 5, it says, Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, This is Jesus, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired. And when I read that, I thought, wait a minute. God commanded sacrifices and offerings to be given. And then Jesus shows up and says, sacrifice and offering you have not desired. And then he says, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. And at that part, I'm reading through it and I'm going, time out, time out, time out. So God hasn't desired sacrifices and offerings and he hasn't taken any pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin and i think what in the world is going on here because god commanded all of those things to be done and if you get down to the end of it down in verse nine uh, excuse me actually down in verse eight it, it says that even though god commanded those things that's not exactly what he desired and so god never looked at a lamb being killed and went all right good deal 
now sins forgiven. Like that's not what he desired. All of that was done for our benefit, looking forward to Christ. And so jump back up to six. Verse 6, in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come, in the end of verse 7, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And I thought, wow. So Jesus is on earth, and he knows that God's taken no pleasure in the blood of bulls and goats and no sacrifices. And he knows that what God takes pleasure in is his people doing his will. I just want that to be an encouragement for you today, that the most pleasing you can be to the Lord is to wake up each day and to say, Lord, wherever you say go, I'll go. Whatever you say to say, I'll say. Whatever you say to do, I'll do. I'm a open book. Lord, you take me where you want me to take me, where you, you take me where you want to take me, and I'll joyfully go that route. And that's what Christ did. It says that that's what God took pleasure in. See, Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross, paid the penalty that you deserved so that you could be set free, so that you could do the will of God in your life. Have you ever thought about that in your life? That God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Jesus Christ came here to set you free from sin so that you could do God's will. Like, I was just talking in Sunday school to the students. Like, wouldn't it be great to get to heaven and be able to high-five God because if God even high-fives people? Because you got there knowing that you did exactly what he wanted you to do. And you get that coveted, well-done, good and faithful servant. Right? Like, that's what we should all be desiring. And so my encouragement for you is to live your life in such a way that you know without a shadow of doubt that you're walking in the will of God and that when you get to heaven, you can hear that well done, good and faithful servant. And the last section that I want to show you is if you kept your finger back in the book of Psalms, turn to Psalm 42. And there was a man uh, who gave a devotional while we were on this trip. And the devotion was right out of Psalm chapter 42. And he talked about us being desperate for God. Okay, and he talked about what are some things in life that make you desperate for God? Like whenever people hear the C word, right, the cancer word, they ultimately become desperate for God. Whenever people hear other words, and I'm not going to go through every one, but there's other things in life that when these events take place, people ultimately stop what they're doing and they turn to God because they're desperate for him at these times. Well, the, the scriptures tell us that we should be desperate for God on a daily basis, right? We should wake up desperate for God to do something in our life, in our life. You should be desperate for God to use you in a great and mighty way each day, right? God is not content with mediocrity, right? He has sent his son to die for you and for me so that he can do great and mighty things through you. And the way that he does great and mighty things through you is that we as a people are desperate for him. We go where he says go. We do what he says do. And then he uses our obedience in ways that are unfathomable to fulfill his kingdom work. And so Psalm chapter 42 says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? 
So I'm going to read that one more time. But you need to know that the writer, when he wrote this, was in an arid climate, in a desert-like place. And so deer are panting and searching for water. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And so, gang, we need to be people who are desperate for God. We need to be people. I talked about this last Wednesday night that I was here. We need to be people who know our weaknesses. We need to be people desperate for God to use us despite our weaknesses. We need to realize that we can't do anything beneficial for the kingdom of God unless he does it through us. That's what we're dependent upon. It's God the Father doing something great through us. And the way that God primarily does things through us is when we're desperate for him, when we're in his word, and we're in prayer, and we're being obedient to the things that he's calling us to. And so one of the things that I've prayed at various times in my life is, is that God... Uh, you created me, you know me, and you know that the guy you're working with right now is not all that bright, right? I'm talking about myself. And I want to do what you want me to do. But in order for me to do it, I need to hear loud and clear what that is. So please speak to me through your word and through prayer exactly what you would have me to do. And if I hear it and understand it, I'll do it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that prayer. It's painfully simple. And I've found that that seems in my life to be a prayer that God answers. I want to tell you something about this mission trip. It was at a, at a highly inconvenient time, right? If maybe you have an excuse you didn't go because the timing was inconvenient. It was inconvenient for my family also. Like just because we went doesn't make us any better than anybody. But school starts next week. Who wants to leave town for a week not at the beach before school starts? Nobody, Right? It was inconvenient to drive all the way up there. It was inconvenient time at church. It was inconvenient time at work to be gone for a week to go on a trip. And so I just want you to see that there's no convenient time to do things that the Lord's calling you to. You just pray through it. And at the beginning of the summer, I knew this is what God wanted us to do. He said, go on the trip. So I signed our whole family up for the trip. Um, it, my wife looked at me like I was crazy for signing us up for this trip. Men... That's spiritual leadership. God's called us to do something. So I signed my family up and this is the route that we're going to go. That's called leading. And that's what we did. There was, I had, I had dozens of reasons not to go as opposed to reasons to go. And I know all of you are the exact same way. But what I want to tell you is that I grew on this trip like you wouldn't believe. God grows us through doing inconvenient things for him. And so you can take a step towards doing the things God wants you to do. We're all going to meet here, hopefully, Tuesday night, okay, here at the church at six o'clock to go and serve somebody in the community. Maybe you couldn't take a week off work and go to Lee, Massachusetts to serve another church. I get that. I get whatever the reasons may be, but you can take two and a half hours and you can go help finish painting somebody's house so that they can be restored from the flood. You can do that. You can take off two and a half hours, maybe come help fix some food. You can maybe watch some of our kids while we go and paint the house because you may not be physically able to paint the house anymore. And this is something that I hope that we're going to keep doing twice a month until all of these houses around us are finished and put back together. Right? 
we're done getting teams in for the Baptist men. Okay? There's a few people here and there, but the flood happened a year ago. And people still aren't put all the way back together. And so if it's going to get done at this point, it's going to be us and the churches around us. And we need to step up to the plate and do it. So what I want to do is I want to encourage you to do something inconvenient for the Lord. No matter what your excuse, come touch base with me sometime this evening or tomorrow as to how you can serve on Tuesday evening. Give me a little head nod if that makes sense. And my prayer is, is that as we are in this word, as we're in prayer, and as we're serving together, the Lord that he'll do great things through us. Amen? So let's do it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll close. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for everything that you did through our church and through our association on this trip. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know that they will spend eternity in heaven, that they've been forgiven of their sins, Lord, I pray that today would be the day they do business with you and get that right. Lord, I pray that you would continue to do great things through our church. Lord, I pray that you would use us in a mighty way, not just to clean houses and fix houses from the flood, but I pray that we would be a, a spiritual beacon of hope in our community. And Father, I pray that you would use us in an even greater way around the world for your name's sake. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would stand with us for a hymn of invitation. So uh, the results from our vote was all of them passed by the required two-thirds to vote. Uh, I don't see any more than two no votes on, on any of them. Most of them are uh, zeros and, and ones here and there. And so uh, if you've got any questions, if you want to see the sheet, Randy Walston will have it afterwards. You're welcome to, to see the votes. Thank you guys for your support of the nominating committee and the deacons. I appreciate it. I want to remind you that we're doing uh, dodgeball at Askeville Baptist Church at 530 this afternoon. Uh, dodgeball. Pam, if I, you were expecting volleyball and I hit you with a dodgeball, I would really have to apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, it is dodgeball. It's dodgeball at Askeville Baptist Church, 530. The bus is going to leave church at 10 after 5 if you're interested in riding with us. And don't forget to let me know if you're coming on Tuesday afternoon, excuse me, on Tuesday evening uh, for dinner at 6, a brief dinner, and then to go finish off that house for the Baptist men. We'll have you out of here by 830, guaranteed. I know that's the first day of school for a lot of folks, uh, but just remember there is no convenient time uh, to do the Lord's work. You just got to jump in and do it. So I want to encourage you to do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Um, Brother Bob Spivey, would you close us in prayer?